welcome to Positively Flourishing, a weekly podcast by me, Cindy Overton, and Dr. Miranda Lawrence. This podcast will unpack our knowledge of evidence-based health and the effects of positivity on all facets of our health. From a patient, me, with Miranda's clinician perspective, there's going to be a lot of our personal experience thrown in as well. We laugh a ton when we're together, and this is essentially an open invite to our table to heal, to grow, and hopefully be in a better place than when you found us. I must warn you, there are a few bad words said, and some of the subject matter isn't kid-friendly. Please take that into consideration when listening, and welcome to Positively Flourishing. Hi there, and welcome to another episode of Positively Flourishing, a podcast with Cindy Overton and Miranda Lawrence. Finally! Yay! Sorry, guys, we took a excessively long hiatus. Uh, yeah, it wasn't excessive because we needed it. Yeah, so there's a lot of exciting things happening in the Overton life that we cannot talk about yet because it's not public knowledge. But when I say it's exciting, I mean, I'm super, super excited for you guys. And then at the same time, I was moving to Louisiana, and um, I've been living without a fridge for three weeks. And I've it's the, I finally got a fridge last night after buying three of them and spending three grand. And and then I broke the handle off immediately. <laughs> so so I don't know if I can technically have a fridge yet or not. Like I don't know. And so there I have I don't have bad luck. I just have a series of strange. I need a lot of sage. Lots I got of sage. A solution for your Please handle. Please tell me the solution. Do you have a suction cup dildo? Because I saw this on a TikTok <laughs> class. What kind of question is that on this podcast? <laughs> this would be normal. Um, I do not have a suction cup uh, dildo, which could, this could be an old, see, we always say we're going to get to the important stuff, and this is where it goes. I did want to talk about some stuff with you, but it's not medical related. Um, I do not own a suction I cup dildo. I was watching a TikTok last night, and this woman posted a video that her handle in her fridge broke, and her son went to fix it, oh. and he was, like, digging in drawers to find some way to fix it, and he found her, and he stuck it into the it works. I'll be damned. <laughs> it's so funny that she said that. <laughs> Cindy is crying, and she was just crying, laughing until she cried about the last subject. We do this. We're really bad about this, and that's why um, we can talk for hours and hours and hours and then only record a small <laughs> section. But we were just talking about something she don't want me to mention about President Trump. We were both laughing. It was hilarious, and we're, we're not allowed to mention him because um, Woody and I are – What did you for say? president. Yes, <laughs> she said <laughs> – it, it's funny. It's very funny. I wish you guys could know. But anyways, um, <laughs> we'll just stick to the China. China. Yeah. I was just, I'm pretty apolitical. I guess we're going to say it now. I'm pretty apolitical. And I was just laughing because when he said that about, um, why do you call um, COVID the the China disease or whatever? China virus. Said, the China virus. And he was like, because it comes from China. China. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I don't know why we've been cracking up, but clearly she finds it as funny as I I do because um, and then so I it was, goes with what we are going to talk about though. We started talking about that because we were talking about what makes pellets pellets, how providers pellets. What does um, that have to do with the coronavirus? I'm, I'm because we were saying we're not going to buy our pellets from China. China. <laughs> 
Yeah, I have nothing against Chinese. In fact, like, uh, yeah, I'm not going there. My, my daughter is part Chinese, so I, trust me, I'm not anti-Chinese. I've had, I can't not say that. Never mind. I have a little Chinese in you. <laughs> it's like these people are going to be like, oh, no, I can't. Delete, delete, unsubscribe. I wish they- <laughs> oh lord it's getting hot in here jim can't even know yet the acs will text him and be like look when you listen you'll understand but it's hot in here jim <laughs> yes um so nothing against china but like you know the, the medications aren't tested the same way that they are in the u.s fda regulations correct okay. correct and so and then a patient did bring this up to me today they said when is this going to be fda approved because i want my insurance to cover it and i said well that's the thing it is fda approved just not at the levels that um, functional medicine providers do. So they, if you follow anything conventional, and if you remember from previous podcasts, the one that talks about pellets and the CBC one, and I'll probably mention it again that every time we talk about something medical, I say um, we, anybody that does bioidentical, bioidentical hormone replacement pellets, falls under the category of alternative medicine. So we are not under the same umbrella of conventional medicine and insurances don't want to cover that. So test so everything in the pellets is absolutely FDA approved. It's just they want you to have the lowest dose that gets you right to the end of not being abnormal anymore and then you're in conventional medicine they would not prescribe you anything after that. So for our women that take estradiol, we do follow that same pathway in that our goal is to get your FSH 40 or below. But for testosterone and functional medicine or the alternative medicine umbrella, the testosterone, we like it to be higher than that. So say 350 is the very lowest for men to have. With conventional medicine, when they do your pellets, if they do them, um, you'd have to have below 350. And then they would give you the minimum dose to get you just below 350. Yeah. But most men who are symptomatic are... I mean, I've seen 800, but most of them are much lower than that, 500 or less. Right. So that means that if you're less than 500 but higher than 350 in conventional medicine, what the FDA approves it for, you would not be able to get pellets. Right. But optimal for you would be what? Optimal in functional medicine is 950 to 1150 for men. Right. So that's a huge difference. You know, so if you're 350 and say that's normal, every lab uses a different number, but say... They say for your age that 350 is normal, but if 349, it was low, and yours is 350, same thing for most of what happens in conventional medicine, they're not going to treat it. And know that I'm not dogging conventional medicine providers. There's an absolute need for them, um, especially in emergency situations and things that are outside of my scope. So everybody needs a PCP. I am not a PCP. Um, And then there are functional medicine primary care providers. So Mm -hmm. um, all of that, the China thing came about because Cindy was – asking if basically all pellets are created equal. And I said, essentially, yes. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been doing this eight years. You know, I hate this because (laughs) I always say the same number. And then like a year later, I catch up and realize I've been saying the wrong number. I was pregnant nine years ago, and that's when I started. It was before the flood and our shooting. So, um, But I had been in the pellet world for about two years before that. So I've probably been doing it closer to nine. But the point is, when I went to training for it, um, is was with BioT. And they are an amazing company. Dr. Donovitz is 
amazing because and and I really have all respect in the world for for functional medicine providers because they it's not just about the pellets you know if you listen to anything about Dr. Donovitz or Dr. Gundry um, they want you to be healthier and live a healthier right, life they're right. not just trying to sell there's most of most of what they recommend and same thing with me um most of what we recommend we don't make a profit off of like mm-hmm. I have no benefit at all teaching you how to eat healthy I don't sell food Right. right. <laughs> like, you know, the only part of this that I sell is pellets. But that is, I don't want to say such a small portion, but you really want to do all of the steps, avoiding toxins and all that. And right. we, we want to get in there with you and teach you how to do it. And it's, it's, we're very, very passionate about what we do. And that's, and I want to say it's a very close knit community because, um, because we're, we're fighting for something that is not, standard care it's something that you're bucking the big pharma yeah (laughs) and um and insurance companies for to do which should be and you know 10 20 years from now this will be commonplace but Mm -hmm. right now it's not so we feel like we're kind of like a rejected community and so it is children yeah it's a very small community but it's growing like uh Mm -hmm. the last year um pellet providers have popped up everywhere and that's great. Um, I'm definitely not discouraging them because, you know, once upon a time I was the new kid on the block. Right. Um, I, I do know that there's programs, so many programs now that I definitely wouldn't trust them all. I have not sat through them, though, so I can't really say. But I have had one person reach out to me that had gone through one of these courses and it was just a. I don't think it took a full day to like listen to. And I, they said, you know, do you think it's worth what I paid for it? Or do I, do I need to go to more training? And I said, I'd have to see the class to let yeah. you know, cause yeah. I didn't train this person. Um, I said, but I find it, I find it really hard to believe that you could practice at the same level as I could when I started or when I started my own clinic only because, you know, I went to the class, but then I also trained under a functional medicine for provider years. for two years. Yeah. And it's like that training under her was, there's just such a hands-on there that you will never get from a class. Right. It just like Woody, I guess with, when he talks about what makes Woody so great, is it that, you know, he went to police Academy freak? No, it was no, it's experience. his experience. Yeah. You the know, accumulation like, of all that. Yeah. Right. Right. Absolutely. Right. And so I definitely don't want to dog the new kids on the block or anything. I'm just uh, as a, as a caveat here, you know, if you go to one and they're new and they're fresh and that's great and you don't love them, don't worry. There's so many now that do it. But um, but trust that the what they're putting in you should be the same as the ne- next person. Yeah, I feel like especially the ones that I've recommended, if you follow. Uh, so I own a company called Flourish Home and Replacement and Wellness Centers. If you follow us on Facebook, you'll see um, I made a post about um the people that I recommend in our area in Louisiana. And I recommended them. I said, if you don't like me as a person, please don't just not get your pellets. Like I know I'm a lot and I know, you know, if you have not seen a picture of me currently have pink hair, it'll be purple next week for (laughs) Easter lavender. Um, But I'm a very live out loud type person. And I understand that I'm not everybody's cup of tea and I don't want to be, but that doesn't mean the service I sell and the product that I am passionate about isn't a great product. So I mentioned these particular providers because they've pelleted me or they've been my collaborating position, which in Louisiana, APRNs have to have a collaborating position. That means that they can see our charting at any time and a few other things. Um, they have to be available for us to consult and send our like concerned cases to. 
or ask questions about. They don't have to do anything else. They don't have to supervise us. So um, they just have to be there in case we need anything. And then they have to have access to our charts to be able to view them. But some do, some don't. But because of that, I know that they practice. These people that I recommended practice exactly like I do because they're either the ones that taught me or since I've been practicing, they could have 100% access to my chart and they've loved everything I've done. So so I know they're okay with it. Um, And there was actually a few more, but I won't get into that. They're not here. Um, Dr. Fogelman in Abbeville does it too. I'm so sorry. I forgot him off that list. Um, I just dropped my chair like an idiot. I just want to go down a little bit. I'm short. I don't know who Jim had sitting in this chair before. Um, but by and large, you can almost assume that every pellet every pellet provider is using very similar pellets. And then, and then we brought up the China thing. I don't, I'm sure there is pellet companies in China. That would be the only risk. And I'm not anti-China. I can just say that all the pellet companies in the United States, even though those particular pellets aren't FDA approved. That is what a compounding pharmacy does. Right. (laughs) Like, yeah, that's the whole definition of compounding pharmacy is they make what, what is not available in the common sector and, and doses that aren't available in mainstream. That's why the same thing with semaglutide, um, we're allowed to make the compounding pharmacies are allowed to make that right now because there's a shortage with Ozempic. All this is, is pretty much a money yeah, that I have nothing to do with. Right. But eventually the FDA will stop semaglutide too. Right. It yeah, will you've come. You've been saying that. Yeah, it's yeah. going to come. They've been threatening it. We know eventually. And when they do, it's just going to stop. And, you know, years ago when CB, before CBD got big, they did the same thing. DEA mm-hmm. kept saying, you can sell it. No, you can't. Yes, you mm-hmm. can. No, you can't. Mm-hmm. And I, I felt like I was uh, dealing a legal substance. Like my front desk wouldn't sell it at all every time they did that. And I'd give like a letter in the mail, everybody that did it. And I remember somebody getting arrested for it. So, it, you know, really, it's just po- politics that I don't want to be involved in at all. But by almost guarantee that any pellet provider you'd go to is using same quality pellets, whether it's not the right company. And by all means, ask them. I don't know if they're going to tell you what the brand is. But if you, even if you don't live, I don't care if you live in Louisiana or not, you can message us, Positively Flourishing, or message me on my business page. You can message me on my personal page, but I tell people that's where your dreams go to die because I do not check my Facebook Messenger. <laughs> so um, my personal Messenger, it's just like my very last priority, and it just it really doesn't get checked. So if you message me on there, I'm probably not going to respond. Um, but just, just send us a message and be like, hey, I live in California in this city. Do you A, do you have a pellet provider out here? And I can tell you. Or, hey, I'm going to this pellet provider, and they say I they use you know, empower, what do you think about that? And I can give you my honest opinion about that company, you know, Mm -hmm. and if I don't know that company, I'll look it up for you. So just know you most, mostly across the board, it's the same dang thing. They are all still held to the same standards. They have to use the, it's a sterile procedure to make the pellets. That's why every, I would love to be making pellets. I would make so much more money if I could make my own pellets, but I am not a pharmacist and I do not have the equipment to be a sterile processor. Um, so that's why every I have a pharmacist that is a good friend of mine, and I asked him to make them, and he refused because he said the whole sterile process was too much to go through. Right, right. So there's plenty. That's why there's not more, to just to put that out there. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully we'll get even more because, honestly, there's a need for them. There's a huge need for more pellet uh, suppliers. So uh, my good luck to all my colleagues out there. Um, absolutely, uh, there will never be um, – 
I see so many new people talking about competition and stuff. And I'm like, look, again, as somebody who's been in the game for eight years, and that's just pellets, not a provider in the medical field. Um, I've been in the medical field for 20 years coming up in August. Right. Um, it's exciting. Uh, but um, it, it, you I know, mean, it, I don't view anybody as my competition is what I'm trying to say. I've never paid attention to what anybody else is doing because I have such a – I have too much going on to be yeah, worried about what everybody's you're not doing. About that. Right. Yeah. And so are so is most providers. So if you're a new provider and you're listening, because I know there's some of you that do that, you know, welcome. Feel free to reach out. Don't do it on my personal messenger again. But I'll happily um, help you any way I can because what we do is such a service to the community. There will never be enough of us, even though there's so many that have popped up in this year and in this coming year yeah. that are doing it. I've met so many people that went to nursing school and then went to FMP school just to do what I do. Right. And that's incredible. But the need will be there. So even yeah. though it seems like really, I don't want to see saturated right now, I could not. There's 145,000 people in Limits and Parish alone, and half my pellets patients are not from this parish. Right. right. So I couldn't even, as there's four pellet providers in Livingston Parish, I think, even if we split them equally, they all need us. If we split them right. all equally, whatever the heck, 145,000 is divided by four, I couldn't see that many patients. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But it's no like way. any type of, you know, you go to a pediatrician clinic and there's 10 doctors in there. I mean, they're not competing against each other. It's no. it's a whole clinic. I mean, it's a, they're all doing the same thing. Right. But you ask for who you relate to, who, yes. who you want as your provide. Like, I always choose like certain people I don't care certain doctors I go to just give me any of them that are in there I love them all but when my kids were born I wanted the specific pediatrician that's who I interviewed that's who I messed with that's who I wanted I was very picky about that but like a PCP I'm like same ailment like they're going to tell me the same thing like I really don't <laughs> care you know what I mean like, yeah yeah I don't know I don't yeah, know. and it might not matter to some people, but it's there's so many. Um, but someone's shoving something in my booty. I care about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I guess that's a good point. Is uh, that you? And I, that's not exactly where you're going. But uh, as far as like you're you're letting this person see your backside, you know, you were talking about sex a lot and some really personal things. So you want to be able to trust them, right? And know that whatever you have or you need, we want you to be able to talk to us. So. Yeah. If you can't talk to me, I think that's why I've tried to live so authentically myself. Like, especially since COVID, I think I had taken out all my piercings and definitely didn't dye my hair anymore because, like, mainstream community, when I was, like, entering the medical field, they wanted you to take all that out. And I understand that. It is super professional to do that. I don't feel like I'm unprofessional. Uh, I feel like it, I'm my own brand of professional and you know, my patients know that, A, when you come to me, A, I can't, I won't judge you. And mm -hmm. that's so important. Absolutely. Because I went, this is going to be very, very personal, but um, I got, um, when I was going through my autoimmune condition with the GI thing, um, they ended up finding like two different types of precancer cells. And one was um, up at the top and one was at the bottom. So I, when I go annually to have my thing, I have to get scoped and... Um, an EGD, I have to be scoped from both ends, essentially, for them to make sure my stuff hasn't grown into full-blown cancer. Well, the one that has to do, uh, the rectal one, is not my GI doctor because I need what's called a colorectal surgeon. And it's a guy here, actually, in Baton Rouge. I'm not going to say his name because I definitely don't want to, um, you know, shame him or whatever. 
But if your patients come to you, especially talking about sex is such a, I don't want to say a sacred thing, but you need to go, you go into a provider that you feel like you can talk to. Yeah. And I, I'm very who I am. Mm -hmm. And so this type of cancer that I got was, um, is the same type that you get from cervical cancer. Mm -hmm. It's just that you get it anally. So how do you get anal cancer from something that is caused by cervical cancer where you get it from having anal sex? Okay. So I, of course, this, (laughs) I'm just going to call him an asshole because he is. Um, But I won't say his name because, again, I don't want to disparage him, whatever. As a a fellow provider, I don't want to do that. But this is the importance of I'm a very vocal person Mm -hmm. and especially sexually. Like I'm a huge advocate for sex positive Mm -hmm. stuff because we're so shamed, especially in the South. Like, my God, like, Lord of mercy. Um, So I just jokingly said something about anal sex. And he looked at me (laughs) and said, um... I mean, just the most disgusted face a rider has ever looked at me with and said, that is an exit only, and you should never do that again. And I was just like, okay, well, I definitely won't be mentioning that to him again, right? Is it going to stop me from having sex the way I like to have sex? No. Right, right. <laughs> so you just tried to shame me. Yeah. I'm just not going to be honest with you again. Exactly. Yet I have to go to you because this is too advanced or whatever for my actual doctor to take care of so i have stuck with your asshole-ish self yeah and so i was just like i guess what it did for me was made me feel like if i was just a regular patient and not a provider and not open like most people feel a a certain shame and like don't want to talk about it with their provider i can't imagine how that would make a person feel that was not as you know for me i just shrugged it off and was like well i won't be talking to you again yeah but that for somebody else could have like really, I mean, really, really devastated their life. Right. And so, again, I had to deal with this man because he's the only person that could uh, fix me <laughs> and take care of my stuff. But like when I moved, I was grateful for it. I loved my GI doctor here, but not that one. And so um, anyways, uh, being able to talk about sex is super, super important. And you should be able to be like, you know, if you if you don't have a crazy sex life, great. Doesn't matter. (laughs) You should be able to say, you know, I've had so many women that have come to me and said, I've never had an orgasm in my life, Miranda. Right. Well, that there's shame with that, too. So whether you're living, doing crazy stuff or you've never had an orgasm with your husband of 25 years happens all of the time. I need you to know you can tell me anything. One, I can't tell anybody. So know that you have Dr. The only time that we are allowed to say that to anybody Ours were mandatory reporters. So if you say somebody sexually assaulted you, somebody sexually, you're about to kill yourself, there's certain things we have to report. Right, you're, you're, right. You're currently going domestic violence. Like there's things we have to say, and I'm not the only one. We all have to do it. Cops have to do it. Um, teachers. Teachers, yeah. So many are mandatory reporters. So the, I fall under that umbrella. But your sex life is not one of them, unless you're fucking children. So um, in which yeah. case, um, yeah, I hope that, you get caught, (laughs) you know, like I'm not protecting you and I feel no bad anything about that. Uh, Right. So as long as you are two consenting adults and, you know, um, or or ever how many consenting adults actually, not my business. I'm here to make sure you're having your healthiest life possible and safest as possible. Right. And by the way, you know, if you're having anal sex, you need to have be having while we're talking about that. Um, I never knew as a medical provider who does cervical exams 
that you need to be doing that. And we don't talk about that in the GYN community. And it wasn't until that happened to me that then I uh, talked to my head physician when I worked at University of Arkansas Medical Sciences, and he was amazing. He also happened to be gay. And I was like, yo, do you do um, anal uh, swabs when you do your pap smears? And he's like, no. And I was like, let me tell you what happened to me. And my GI doctor was freaking out because he was like, I know you, Miranda, and I know you're going to downplay this, and I know you're going to ignore it, but FYI, this is how Farrah Fawcett died. So please follow up and stop pretending like this isn't serious. And I was like, yes, sir, you have my word. I will follow through. But then it also put me at a, you know, thing because we don't ask about if you're having anal sex at your GYN appointment. So advocate for yourself. And if you're doing it, don't be embarrassed. And if you don't feel like you have that relationship with your GYN, I don't regularly do PAPs anymore. I just do pellets, but I am qualified to do it. So, you know, I still do it for, um, as a, I don't want to call it charity work, but rape victims. Um, That's exactly what I was going to say. People with sexual yeah. abuse, people with daughters with sexual abuse, um, the Hispanic population that doesn't have insurance and they feel um, ostracized, I guess. They don't want to deal with any discrimination. These people I still do see. So you might call my clinic and or you might see online, I only provide these services and that's true, but I do still practice Um as charity work on the side. So if you're listening to this and you don't, if you have anal sex and like, you're like, I need to get this done. You're freaking out. A first off, don't freak out and B call my office and we'll get you squared away. Um, so yeah, that's it. Anal sex in uh, China. <laughs> we like a, are off to I, a great start. I guess is the topic of this. Um, Let this me write podcast. that down as the title of. <laughs> I love my life. Oh, Cindy, I love it. It's so beautiful. Um, so what we were actually going to talk about today is fin- <laughs> she spit out. Well, <laughs> I have so much to tell you, but we can't talk about it. Yes, talk about what we're going to talk about. So we have basically 35 minutes left. So okay. <clears throat> thyroid? Yes, we're going to cover thyroid. My voice thyroid is panel, little- right? Yes. Yeah. So most and if you have any questions about this, because I know we started kind of talking about it on our CBC episode, or our basic annual lab blood work like most providers run is a CBC, to recap, CBC, CMP, and a TSH. They don't go past that TSH. We still do your TSH. But say I review 10 labs a day, I might get one abnormal TSH a week. Yeah. So in a 50, 50 labs I review a week, they all have TSHs. Only one out of the 50 will have an abnormal TSH. Right. So let's back up a little <clears throat> bit because this hit home only because I just received a message from someone that got their blood work back today. And she literally sent me the whole <laughs> thing. But the first thing she said is, apparently, I have a hypothyroid. I don't even know what that means. Okay. So... TSH, thyroid stimulating hormone. Like, if it's high, you have hypothyroidism. If it's low, you have hyperthyroidism. And so, hypothyroid is a sluggish thyroid. Correct. Hyper is overactive. Correct. But a lot of people don't even know that the thyroid regulates pretty much every system in your body. Yeah. So, we probably need to even start from what a thyroid is and go from there before we even get to what a blood the blood work is. Sure. So. You have glands in your neck, thyroid, parathyroid. So one of the things that people 
you can kind of see it actually. Mm-hmm. There's physical traits that people with thyroid irregularities have, but it's really weird who it presents with as a physical trait and then a symptomology, and it's mm-hmm. not the same. They don't go hand in hand. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Your it's levels crazy. could be crazy and you look physically fine. Yeah. I would say most people that look sick with their thyroid are more likely to have hyperthyroidism. Mm-hmm. And then hypothyroidism is a little bit it's harder like a to detect. Silent and disease. you can have both, which makes it even harder. Yeah. And I had a patient this week that I had to yeah. give that report to. And, yeah. um, and, you know, that's never fun because they don't want to go to anybody else. And I have to find an endo that everybody loves. So if you're listening to this and you have an endo you love, please drop their name to us so we can um, uh, do that. But there's some – I am not an endocrinologist. And um, so when I talk about thyroid right now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go over what thyroid is and a b- basic – <clears throat> what you need to know about why we do the blood work we do and right. what the thyroid is. But yes, it's a it's a hormone regulating gland and TSH, the last thing of that, that H stands for hormone. And then all the other ones are also hormones. So free T3, anytime you see free in front of something, that is the circulate, circulate amount that's in the blood. So the reason we get free, um, la- so the, the thyroid panel we do as a basis is a TSH, a free T3, a free T4, mm-hmm. and a TPO. A TSH is what everybody gets. Free T3 is the circulating amount of T3. And free T4 is circulating amount of T4. And then a TPO is the thyroid peroxidase antibody. Um, and that lets us know if you have Hashimoto's. And that is rarely tested. <clears throat> Correct. Most providers only check a Hashimoto's if your TSH is abnormal. And usually if it's too high. So typically, as a general rule of thumb, but it is not always the case, if your TSH is elevated then they're going to check you for Hashimoto's, which is an autoimmune disorder that is more closely linked with hypothyroidism. Mm-hmm. And then if it's too low, and you're, of course this is if you're not on any medication, then they're going to check you for Graves' disease because that is a hyper form of an autoimmune disorder. But again, it, it could be a mixed bag, and these mixed bag things are something that I don't deal with. Mm-hmm. And it's because I am not an endocrinologist. And usually when it's mixed and you're really, really sick like that, it means you need to have your thyroid out. And I am not a surgeon. So these people have to have referrals. But very, very rare to have that happen. The vast majority have normal TSHs. And what I most commonly find when I do this blood work is suboptimal free T3s and sometimes elevated TPO, which means they have Hashimoto's, but it would never, ever, ever, ever have been discovered if we didn't do it in the initial panel. So what I'm saying by that is they have 90, probably, I say sometimes 95, somewhere between 95 and 99% of Hashimoto's that I diagnose has completely normal TSH. So I think I was one of those. Yeah, these poor people I hear at the same time and they get, they're like angry when they find out because Mm -hmm. they're like, I've been saying, I could, I literally could rehearse, like say it in my sleep. Mm -hmm. I've been saying for years that there's something wrong with me. Mm -hmm. And you're telling me that I could have been sick this whole time, Mm -hmm. but because they didn't check past the TSH. And then that's when I have to tell them, like, look, it's not the doctor's fault. Like, this is how they're trained. I was trained the exact same way. We're all taught the same type of way, according to conventional medicine. And then you have to go to a functional medicine training or pellet training to understand why optimized matters or why Hashimoto's matters when your TSH is completely normal. So why it's important to do all this baseline blood work initially. So it's not that the 
PCP isn't allowed to test these, Correct. don't do, okay, so they could, don't. I will say this. That's a good question. And I don't look at it from that perspective since I'm not a patient, but um, it is, it is kind of that. It's not, it's not that they're not allowed. It's partly, probably mostly, but that's a lot of peace. Yeah. Uh, partly, partly, <laughs> mostly. Uh, it's, I think I would say the number one reason they don't is because they don't know how to interpret it. And we are taught if the gotcha. if this lab is fine, your thyroid is fine. But that's not true. Right. But it's not their fault. So that is like when I'm explaining it to a patient, I'm like, don't be angry at them. It's not that they're intentionally trying to harm you or intentionally trying to sabotage you. It's that that's not what they're taught. And as a patient that has watched family members suffer and suffered myself it's so frustrating right when you're fighting at 25 you know you don't want to be like fighting for a diagnosis but you know that everyone in your family has had a thyroid problem my mother hypo and hyper right you know she had graves and hashis yeah had to have her you know you're sitting there and the doctor your mom like, had it removed yeah your she had it i had uh, the blow up she yeah. didn't have it cut out removed yeah. but radiology yeah. yeah um you're sitting there fighting for this diagnosis and no one wants to listen to you like you know there's something wrong with you and you want to catch it before it gets bad before your eyes start start bulging out of your head because <laughs> my mom's literally did with right. the graves disease right you know? and that's why i was gonna say those people it's easier to say because either they have you can see the goiter the, right yeah and that looks like for people who don't know it's uh, like it's going to look like a mass on their neck. Mm -hmm. And they can sometimes have like vocal changes to where it's like deeper. It's not like where she's pointing on her neck is like where the Adam's apple would be. Yeah. yeah. So us as women wouldn't have that. And so yeah. when you go to your doctor and they are, they get behind you or your provider and they get behind you and they're doing this like manual manipulation, one hand and then the other, they're feeling for any masses on your thyroid. Mm -hmm. And and that's just part of your annual exam. And and whether or not everybody does that, I don't know because I'm not a PCP. Yeah. <laughs> like that's not in I my realm. I haven't had that done in years. Yeah, it's supposed to be done at your annual mm -hmm. physical. Like you're mm -hmm. supposed to have a head to toe physical mm -hmm. annually to catch things like that. Right. But I highly doubt they would have to be super, super sensitive to catch and really be paying attention. Like I've had people tell me that they've – um you know, I don't listen to lungs because I'm not a lung doctor. Mm -hmm. Like if you need me to and you're having like a cough or something mm -hmm. or, you know, I've had randomly, I have a stethoscope, like we check, use it for uh, blood pressure. But because you are supposed to be going to PCP and I assume they're doing these head to toe checks, right. I have no reason to listen to your lungs. Mm -hmm. But um, but I've had people tell me that they've like held their breath <laughs> while their lungs are being listened to and. And then uh, they told them that their lungs sounded fine. And so that means they're not yeah, really listening to them, listening, which right. should, you know, whatever. But um, people are busy. They have to take all these insurance, blah, 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 lots of things. And and honestly, most likely, they wouldn't catch your dang thyroid, uh, a nodule growing on your thyroid anyways. They would catch thyroid enlargement. Yeah. But they're not. I would be very surprised if, again, they would have to be super, super thorough to be able to, to, to feel, feel that. a thyroid nodule. Yeah, right. It would have to be, or it'd have to be massive, you know. Yeah. But two centimeters and below, and unless it's like right in the front on the side, I don't, you know, that's really hard to catch. So all of ours that have above a certain um, TBO marker automatically go get a thyroid ultrasound. Or if you tell me something crazy happened to you, like 
I'm not, we, I have to be very careful about using case studies. Um, I know this particular person wouldn't care, but I'll say she started, she's been a patient of mine for forever and she had no reason to get a thyroid ultrasound, but she said she was having issues swallowing. Well, dang, let's do an ultrasound of your neck and see what it was. And it mm-hmm. was a very fixable problem, but she was her best advocate. You tell me, we're going to go get it fixed. And, and it was something I had to send her to an ENT for. Right. So, um, always make sure you have a provider go to your pcp annually make sure that they're doing all the things that they do and then come see me if you have any hormone issues or or whoever to to get this checked because it's not that's not a pcp's job to to go we don't know that we're not taught that we're taught go to your pcp and they'll catch anything wrong with you right that's not your pcp's job your pcp's job is to make sure they check your blood pressure they're physically looking at you mm-hmm. and making sure there isn't anything grossly abnormal. They're not going to catch everything, and that's not their job. And so that's why when you say this is bothering me, they're just like, okay, well, we'll do a referral to this doctor. We're going to do a referral Correct. to they that. They do the baseline yeah. labs. They have to do that. And this is, I guess, how I got off on this tangent was you were like, are they just not allowed to? Well, there's the other thing. As someone who's worked in a more primary care setting, in a, in a setting that took insurance, Medicaid dictates how you can run. So anybody who takes Medicaid um, has much more roles than I have. And so they decide what labs they're going to cover. And it is easier, so much easier as a provider to only do this base set of labs than to fight Medicaid or your insurance company um, to get something covered. As in, what I'm telling you is if they run a test and you don't pay for it, they want to come back on the provider for ordering it. Mm-hmm. And this happened to me with a, a bad employee recently. They didn't do, uh, they didn't listen to what the lab said, mm-hmm. and the lab gave them a warning. The employer did not pass, this is a former employer, they don't work for me anymore. They didn't pass this information along to me. So in August, my bill for my lab is usually $1,500 a month. I get a bill for $6,000. And I was like, the hell not. And it was because those were all the labs that got kicked back from a particular insurance. Mm -hmm. And now I had to pay out of pocket Mm $6,000 for for more than they charge the patient. Right, right. Because their insurance has kicked it back. Right. And what was I supposed to do? Because I'm the one that ordered it. Mm -hmm. And so obviously I was not happy. And then it went on through a little bit in September. So I had to pay $3,000, a little bit over $3,000 in September. Um, so to prevent that, I can see why PCPs only order a CPC, a CMP, and a TSH. Right. So know that I, I'm totally not trying to demonize patients. So please know, I am just trying to give a little bit of background information. I understand your frustration completely. And like I said, my heart goes out to you because I hear the story over and over and over all day long and I can see the frustration on their face and I feel so bad for them, but it is a broken system Mm -hmm. and and I don't have the answer. So no... I feel just as bad as you do that you have to pay out of pocket for our services, but it's the easiest way, you know? And then I hear a lot of pellet providers um, make you um, pay their self-pay rate. And a lot of times it's more than what we charge. And so people get mad and they're like, I want to go through my insurance. Well, hell, now that I've lived through this experience where I had to pay out $9,000 out of my pocket, um, I completely understand why doctors or, you know, medical providers are like, nope, you're going to... You do self-pay only because your insurance company just bit me in the butt. Exactly. And it's not chump change. You know, $6,000 bill a month in one yeah. month is a lot of money. Yeah. And so it's even worse for people who take it. And I'm a cash pay provider. Mm-hmm. Um, these physicians that are taking all this insurance. And so just I just want you guys to know that they're not bad people. 
PCPs are doing the very best they can. Yes, it's a system. If you want to be mad at anybody, be mad at the insurance company. Be Be mad at at Big Pharma because (laughs) they're the ones making bank. And I see it all the time with people like, these doctors making all this money. Look, we don't make that much money compared to the insurance companies and the the drug reps. I mean, hell, drug reps probably make more than we do. Uh, If it makes you any bit comfortable, like, God. So scary, though. Right, right. We're not controlling anything. So, um, again, if, if, and if you went through a particular situation and you want to like ask me like, Hey, did this happen? Message it, like message us. That's totally fine. Um, I'm happy to like explain that to you and be the bridge between your medical system to explain it to you. But what people are typically angry about as patients is not an accurate representation of the picture going on. So again, I don't know your PCP, not standing up for them exactly on a whole because I don't know them, but I just wanted people to know that yes, there is a reason that they only draw the blood work they do totally not their fault partly insurance driven if they've ever gotten bit in the butt once by insurance i bet it was more than what i had to pay right. and i was pissed as hell at what at six, that the nine thousand i had to pay right. i was right. livid right. uh livid um and and i don't again don't even take insurance so i can't even imagine the fines that they have to go through and, and i've heard some ridiculous stuff like medicare at least back then you know as a gyn provider you have a vaginal complaint we would do I w- I started doing free because I'm training microscopy, which is the use of microscope mm-hmm. um, to be able to diagnose these illnesses. I actually have a microscope at the clinic. I need to like bring it out to people so I can provide the service. But it costs me nothing to be able to look at a microscope and tell you if you have a yeast infection. Right. But it's it not everybody's trained in it. Right. And so it's just easier to send a swab. Well, because Medicare knows that. Well, you can go to micros- microscopy and charge a $7 fee instead of going through this lab. They won't pay for Medicare patients to have, or at least at that time, to have a yeast wall. Oh, my gosh. So you're talking about these little old ladies. Their vaginas are itching, like, good yeah. Lord. And they just, you swab them, and they're going to kick it back. So PCPs especially, and, and everybody that practices in conventional medicine takes insurance, anybody takes insurance, they're being dictated to how they can practice. Right. And so they're going to do, again, it's not the bare minimum, because they don't care about you. It's that they are having to see bukus of patients a day just to pay their bills. Yeah. And, and you know, everybody's unhappy. And they're unhappy right. because <laughs> insurance controls everything. Yeah. So, um, poor them. But They're probably unhappy that that's the confines that they yeah, have to stay yeah, in. Yeah, they too. didn't get into medicine to rip you off or right. to misdiagnose you or to yeah. not diagnose you about something. Yeah. They care about their patients and they care about medicine. Yeah. That, Everyone I knew when I was pre-med, I remember Dr. Stevens was our uh, pre-med chair, and he flat out was like, hit you with a ruler if you said, because this is the most common answer, why do you want to be a, why do you want to be a physician? And the most common answer would be, because I want to help people. And he would get mad? Oh, he wouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. You can't say that. Why? Because there's so much more to medicine than, um than helping people and like I guess to harden you up because we see things being a first responder this long I get it now then it seemed very cruel but Woody would know exactly what I'm talking about yeah because you I'm sure he went into what he does because he wanted to help people yeah but you're about to see teacher too right you're about to see people bleed to death and you're about to be the last person to hold their hand and you're Mm going to see the worst of the worst of the worst and wish to God that you go home and hold your kids and just are so grateful to be alive some days that it's, you know, um, it's traumatizing. You have to grow thicker skin and we have a weird sense of humor from that. I don't know many medical providers or many first responders, period, military too, 
um, that don't have weird sense of humor. Oh, so if you know one of us, you lo- you know us all kind of in a certain respect yeah. because we can we usually end up marrying each other um, across the board <laughs> because mm-hmm. it's very common because they're the only ones that get our sense of humor. Mm-hmm. So it's the same thing. These these poor doctors. Yeah, we 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 all went into it to help people, but but you gotta be passionate about it for another reason. I guess is the best way I can describe it because yeah. so for it, the money it will break you. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> people are uh, bitcoining it up and making far more than I will ever oh, dream to make. So yeah, it's definitely not for the money. Interestingly, but growing up dirt poor, I thought this was great money. So yeah, I'm not poor. Um, people have stolen a lot well, from when me. You were, <laughs> when you were dirt poor, you probably didn't think you were poor either. Right, right. Correct. And I was so happy. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. So happy. There are many times that I look back on when I was poorest as an adult, which is when I was had my first son, and it was just me and him, and I lived in low-income housing, and um, I just went through the first set of stuff with his dad, and, and he was a cop, and I just went through hell with him, and... I was so happy, happy. though. Yeah, I had simple. my whole future ahead. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a car that was so messed up. It was my dad kept giving me Hondas. Well, I mean, I would buy them from him, but it was yeah. either Civics or Accords. And there's at that particular time, it, the computers are on the passenger floorboard, and it's Louisiana, so it's hot. Mm-hmm. I had to put an ice bag on that computer so every day just to start it. It wouldn't even crank if there wasn't ice on the computer. And I was like, one day I'm going to have a better car that I don't have to place ice on the computer. And I had a whole ass master's degree then or was almost graduating with my master's and then like working on my doctorate. So, you know, you can have setbacks all the time. I'm not saying I'm not happy now, but what's Woody's favorite phrase? The higher the level, the bigger the the devil. devil. Yeah. It's very poignant. Very. And painful. It is, but we've got to get back to thyroid. But I want to say this because it goes on. It's been running through my brain since I heard it. And it was if you have a thought that was put in your brain of like a dream or something that you want to achieve, the only reason why you thought it is because you can actually do it. I believe that. It just hit me like hard. Like When did it hit you? When I heard it, it hit me. Um, yeah, as soon as I heard someone say the statement, and they used it in, in a godly sense, like if God's going to put that in your brain or the universe, whatever your higher being is, if you can actually imagine, like I was doing another podcast the other day, and they're like, well, what is your goal? And it's the same thing I said when we started the app, and I was talking to the app development team, and I said global domination. And they were like, well, what does global domination mean to you? And I said when people think of true crime they think of real life real crime but also real life real crime is um is helping people like it's not just oh we're going to tell stories it's okay so now who are we going to who are our foundations going to be who are we going to support how are we going to stop crime what are we going to do to train people how are we going to help someone out of situations how you know like it's a whole con- Circle. And one thing you haven't mentioned is solving cold cases, which gives absolutely so many, well the helping so the people, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure that was in there. I just yeah. wanted to let you know, like, and we've talked. I thought had that thought before we met. We won't discuss it publicly because I'm still hoping you do it. Um, with where when I was in Illinois and found you guys, mm-hmm. I lived in Illinois when I first found Real Life Real Crime mm-hmm. with Woody, and um, and I won't delve into it. 
because I, I still, like I said, I'm hoping Cindy ends up taking it that way. And several other people have mentioned it to her. So I won't go into that. But you are so incredible. And um, I can totally see global domination being <laughs> being your thing. But and I believe that if it went into your brain, you could do it. Yeah. But um, I'm doing it. You are doing it. Mm hmm. Manifest, baby. I'm manifesting it. <laughs> it hit me hard when it was like, if you can dream it, like there's certain things that I've never thought about that you see the invention. You're like, oh, I never thought about that before. And you see it and you're like, oh, it works. Well, I never, I bet the person that dream, that imagined it, obviously he thought about it. He Correct. created it. You know what? It's, so it's probably not just creativity, but it's also like, um, I hear some really great, the greatest thoughts I've ever had or I've ever heard other people have aren't people that would never go to actualize them. I know. And that's what's sad. So you have to have both. You have to. But when, when someone tells you that if you can think about it, you can actualize it basically, that kind of like puts that momentum behind you. But you don't realize how many people don't have the capability to actualize it. It's such a small percentage. I understand. I didn't think I had the capability of actualizing it. So what do you think changed it for you? When I heard that freaking comment. But you were already. How long ago was this comment? Three days ago. Okay. but you were So you were already doing it, though. I was doing it because that was my goal. I didn't realize that I can reach that. I can and I will reach that goal because God, the universe, whoever— put it in my head i love this does that make sense no it does yeah like that was your like i just was like on this on this like you know gerbil wheel spinning and making it like okay i'm gonna do this 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 today so maybe for you one of the beautiful things is that now that you realize that maybe a higher power put that in you as a purpose it does it is it some type of stress relief for you that it wasn't in your hands no I don't think it's a stress relief. I think it's a, okay, I'm going to do this. I thought if I can dream it, like I've never thought about saving life. I've never thought about like what you do. Yeah. And yet here you are with the podcast about it. I love it. Right. This is amazing. This is remarkable. I don't, and I know I'm not clarifying it to the best of like the ability to clarify it, but I don't think clarification is needed in this instance. Um, but you look very, I'm sure people can hear it in your voice too, but you look very, um, driven, like yeah. refreshed. Like you could have gone to a retreat, one of those, um, yeah, mental health places. To I get did. Some- I, w- I went to Rotolo's the other day. <laughs> <laughs> You ate carbs. <laughs> it's a whole other Don't tell story. me you had so- salad, right? <laughs> no, we had to talk. Gosh, we're not going to get it. Okay. It doesn't matter. We'll there was a, um, we had to meet, Woody and I had to meet with an attorney this last week, and I'm not going into de- details why for that. But um, so he said, he said there's, he asked somebody in the court case, the son of court case yet, but in the lawsuit, um, he's like, do you know what the difference between a matador is and like a minador? And, and the Minador is a wrong name. I, I don't think that's the oh, correct okay. name. I think that's is very close to that. And the Minador, or whatever the true name of it is, is the person that goes out and gets the bull all riled up. Okay? So it's teasing the bull. It's instigating the bull. And then the Matador comes out and gets to be the killer of the bull. He's, oh, God. Well, that's what a matador does. I don't know this stuff. You don't know what a matador is? Why are we killing Like with the red flags? I didn't know they killed them. 
Yeah, they stab them. Good God, okay. Yeah, and then they eat the meat. Okay. Okay. This is in Mexico. It's a cool oh, thing. Oh, okay. This isn't like, you know, we're not going to. Yeah, I was some, like, I thought they walked him through a shoot, like Temple Grand and the autistic mm, doctor, like, no, showed him how to do. And you're talking no, about stabbing with red. I'm like, God. No, is so they're all dressed. You you have to go I guess I have it. seen the pictures. Like, they're in the white yeah, thing with the, the black, black jacket. Yes, I had no idea they actually were killing these bulls. I thought this had something to do with, like, bullfighting or, like, it, well, rodeos or something. Well, a matador kills them. But the crap. men, the whatever is the instigator of it. <laughs> okay. I know you said that for some reason, and now I'm baffled. So and now like, this could be a whole other story. I used to be the, <laughs> the minador. minador. <laughs> I'm a matador. I'm going out and it. I'm slaying it. <laughs> I love this. And now it makes me want to go to uh, one of the Brazilian meat houses, like Texas Day Brazil. <laughs> like, now I'm hungry for meat that I won't even be able to eat because of the smuggle time. Honestly, as far as thyroid goes, I know we, we have less than nine minutes because Jim has to leave in five. So, like, five minutes. Oh, we I, literally have, like, four minutes. Yes. I honestly said all that needs to be said okay. about thyroid in that little bit except this. If you have the symptoms of hypothyroidism, which does not have to be all of them, it can be. Dry it, Yeah. Like, yeah. Tell me hair what lo- you think it is. Dry skin, hair loss, um, fatigue. Um, moodiness, um, those are my, always my main agitation. Brain fog, constipation. Brain, yes. And um, feeling cold all the time. Yeah, I feel my hands right now. Yes, my feet are always cold. Yeah. So you don't, sometimes I'll tell people, oh, well, your free T3 is 2.5. And they're like, oh, I feel fine except my hair is falling out. You don't have to have all of them. Right. Some people do. They're like, oh, I have every one of them. Yeah. And then some people are like, I only have, did we say constipation? If we yes, didn't say constipation. Okay. Yeah. That's one I forget about because that's not one I have with, with a low free T3. I also have it. Um, and mine, oh, I will say this. It comes and goes. Your thyroid being messed up is adrenal fatigue in a lot of people. So we can repair that with pellets usually mm-hmm. and taking iodine and seeing if you have any heavy metal exposure and changing your diet and eating healthier stuff, mm-hmm. putting you on MP thyroid, which is a bioidentical form of thyroid supplement. We will talk about this more in yeah. the next episode, but from a patient perspective, what they tell me is when I tell them everything at once, they uh, 90% of the time are like, that is so much more than I was prepared to hear. Right. So take what we said this episode, enjoy the fact that we mix it in with some banter, yeah. happiness cover some more thyroid next episode yeah if you hear this episode and you want to know something specifically drop it in the comments we'll cover it mm-hmm. and we're happy to to ask about anything because cindy's been doing this long enough she knows more than the typical patient mm-hmm. and so she might also miss something that i would definitely miss because i'm not looking at it from the patient perspective right bottom line is if you have any questions come get your blood work done yes run it through insurance um if we can but if we can't the lab pay for all of the labs we do is only $150. Yeah. I don't make a penny off that. Like that is just, that's for the lab. If you pay it to the lab, they charge you $300. So, and the lab consult's free. So I don't need to, you don't have to treat, you don't have to treat, you don't have to come to me for anything. I'm just reviewing your labs. It is so worth it. Yeah. So if you have any questions, if it could be you, if you haven't had your lab work, don't even ask me. <laughs> like, come get your lab work. Yeah. Because I can't tell you anything until you have your lab work. Right. Like, literally exactly. nothing. So we we love you guys. We're so you guys touch our lives so much. And so glad to I don't be know back. who yes. I don't know who do you hear from listeners more or do you think I do? I think you do. I, I think I do too. But mm-hmm. I didn't want to say that. Yeah, you do. But you absolutely do. They they come to me in various forms, sometimes publicly, sometimes at the yeah. clinic, sometimes in whatever and 
you guys tell us how much we mean to you mm-hmm. and we just want you to know your why we do this um because cindy and i are going to talk anyways mm-hmm. why do we decide to do it in front of a microphone with headphones on is to help you and I, i'm yeah. so glad that it means so much to you and you guys have blessed me too i, I hope you know that the, the some of you just comic relief some of it's your guys' story touched me mm-hmm. sometimes it's i learned a lot and right. i'm here because i heard you on the podcast yeah. so just thank you so much for being a listener and um you mean a lot to us. Yes, definitely. That's why we keep coming back and yeah. making a point to come back because their lives are so busy right now. Yeah. So especially we'll, yours. Yeah, she's especially we'll, yours. So we'll talk. Well, no, yours yeah. is just as busy. It's just in a different, happier way. Um, thankfully, <laughs> <laughs> you, you've got great things going on. I'm involved in like nine laws, lawsuits. So, I mean, I'm just like, uh, you know, but I'm hanging on. You got this, it. sister. <laughs> yeah. You got this. Yeah. Send Miranda some love. She needs it. Yeah. But I'm blessed. I, can't, I really can't complain. I've got an awesome group of people in my corner, including yes. you. Always. I'll be your matador. Yeah, yeah. I'm just trying. I'm running from the bull. <laughs> like I don't want the bull. Cindy's climbing on stop. On oh, top, I will get the head. bull for you. I don't know how. I believe that. I, I believe will. that. The people in my corner are just like that too. Yeah. I don't even have to say anything. They're going to attack you. Don't, yeah. don't come for me. They'll <laughs> got they'll got. <laughs> I don't have to do anything um, because yeah, I've just yeah. got such amazing people in my corner. So until next time, guys. No, we're we're back at it. We won't have this big of a hiatus no. because we will be recording most weeks twice a week. Yes, that will let you have an episode every single week from here on out. Absolutely. And it, that way, if we have any incidences moving forward, it's okay that we're taking a hiatus. You won't even know about it because we will be recording weeks in advance. So exactly. thank you so much thank for you, li- thank you, thank you. listening. Stay positive And what do you want to say? Stay positive, people. And <laughs> <laughs>